Welcome to the America's Workforce Radio Podcast, the flagship production of the American Workers Radio and Podcast Network, where organized labor and its never-ending fight to protect the rights of the American worker come first. Now, presented by LIUNA, Laborers International Union of North America, here's your host, Ed Flash Ferens. Finally, transportation security officers get the pay they deserve. We're talking an average increase of 30%. Tentative deal in that strike by New York City nurses. And today on the show, the latest from the United Auto Workers. And we'll check in with the IBEW in central Illinois. Welcome to the Thursday, January 12th edition of America's Workforce, where we are available on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. Two guests on the show today. We're going to start things off with Josh Nasser. Josh is the legislative director for one of our great sponsors, and that would be the United Auto Workers, UAW.org. We'll touch on the 118th Congress and take a look at 2023 what he sees ahead well i can tell you what's happening right now republicans and you should know this by now they don't like the word labor they really hate the word union now when democrats controlled the house they had a committee called the committee on education and labor the republicans rebranded it and they've done this before it's now the committee on education and workforce Why does this matter? According to Republicans, the word labor is an antiquated term that excludes individuals who contribute to the American workforce but are not classified as conventional employees. Labor, they say, also carries a negative connotation that ignores the dignity of work. The term is something out of a Marxist textbook that fails to capture the accomplishments of the full spectrum of the American workforce. Keep in mind, these are people that do not like unions. So it's not going to be an easy road in the House. However, if anything bad happens, you know it's not going to be taken up in the Senate. So Josh will mix it all up. There is some good news when it comes to uh, making cars. We're all aware of the chip shortage And in 2021, that's when the uh, pandemic was in uh, full speed, there were 11 million fewer cars built in America. 11 million. Last year, it was 4 million. So the needle is moving in the right direction. Now, with that being said, we have electric vehicle production, which does not require the workforce to put together. Those electric cars have fewer parts. All the more reason the UAW has to do more organizing, and they've been in uh, a number of college campuses. In fact, uh, Josh will touch on this about that big strike. It went on for six weeks in the University of California where uh, student employees and graduate student researchers are represented by the United Auto Workers. This is one of the biggest strikes of 2022, and it went on, like I said, for well over a month. So Josh Nasser is going to be our first guest on the show. Later in the show, we're going to go to Central Illinois and join Paul Flynn. Now, Paul is currently business manager and financial secretary with the electrical workers. That would be IBW Local 34. That local covers 
17 counties in West Central Illinois. Jurisdiction is about 9,000 square miles, which is about the same as the state of New Jersey. Now, Paul is not a lifelong member of the IBEW. He was hired back in 1989 at Diamond Star Motors, where he was a member of the Auto Workers Union. He decided to quit in uh, 1999 after 10 years, enter the IBEW Inside Wireman Apprenticeship Program a year later, graduated as a journeyman 2005, became an instructor two years later, training director in 2009. In uh, June of 2013, Paul was elected business manager and then re-elected, let's see, one, two, three times after that. His last election was last year. We'll talk about the day in the life of a business manager, what it entails, contract talks, grievance processing, community relationships, mentoring of members, apprentices, organizing, non-union, membership events, award ceremonies. There's a lot that it entails. And he's going to talk about that transition. He said he wants to uh, discuss the difference between being a factory worker where you're in the same place every day and then joining the trades where you go to different locations and drive all over central Illinois to job sites. It's a big difference there. Some people like it. Some people don't. Some people want to stay in one place. Others want to travel. So uh, Paul Flynn, business manager, also financial secretary of IBEW Local 34, IBEW34.org is their website. Unions in the news making news. This labor update brought to you by the good folks at Boyd Watterson Asset Management. You can find more at BoydWatterson.com. Well, this is a long time coming. Transportation security officers, better known as TSOs, have won a historic pay raise that brings their salaries in line with the general schedule that most federal workers fall under. This is so long overdue. The TSOs also secured expanded workplace rights under Title V, which also covers most federal workers. TSOs are the workforce that keep air travelers safe. And the improvements to their pay and bargaining rights, like I said, long overdue. The salary increases will provide the TSOs an average increase of 30%. Right now, as I speak, this group is among the federal government's worst paid employees. We've talked about this on the show with our sponsor, American Federation of Government Employees. I think the top that they can make is less than 50000 This is like after 30 years. It's ridiculous. Absolutely ridiculous. Now, those increased wages will be paid under the last budget bill that President Biden signed last month, but they will not go into effect until July 1. Got a comment here from uh, their national president, AFGE's national president, Everett Kelly. He said these transformational improvements to pay and rights were made possible by 20 years of activism on behalf of union members at the TSA. And I thank these leaders for their tireless efforts to remedy the shameful treatment of employees at the TSA. Everett went on to say, I look forward to 
working closely with the administrator, David Pekoski, and the administration to ensure the swift implementation of this new determination and pay equity to improve the quality of TSA jobs as quickly and efficiently as possible. And you know, one of the problems they encountered because of the uh, lack of respect and low pay, they had huge turnover. They'd bring somebody on board, train them. They'd work there a couple of weeks and say, I'm not going to do this. I'm not getting paid properly. Got some good news out of uh, New York City today. We were talking uh, just yesterday about the uh, nurses that went on strike. 7,000 nurses went on strike at two hospitals, Mount Sinai Hospital and Montefiore Medical Center in the Bronx. Got a lot of national attention, and I'll tell you, it worked. It really worked. They reached a tentative contract settlement late last night, and they'll be back at work today. And I was mentioning yesterday the solidarity, the entire New York City labor movement stood up for the nurses, got a lot of great media attention, and uh, their big complaint, well, low wages, that's part of it, but staffing. Some of the nurses had a patient ratio of 12, maybe 15 to 1. How do you do your job that way? How do patients get the services they need if it's going to be that diluted. So apparently they resolved a lot of these staffing issues and uh, they did work out a contract with the other hospitals, but those two, they just couldn't seem to uh, reach an agreement until they had to go on strike. You know, nurses are getting a lot of attention and rightly so from what I just said here, I want to talk a little bit about the uh, nurses in the district of Columbia And you think about what's going on. You got the pandemic. You got this crazy virus going on. They call uh, RSV that's attacking young kids. And they've referred to this as a tridemic. As a result, the nurses are complaining about being overworked, of course, understaffed and certainly underappreciated. Comment here from Charlene Garcia. She's one of the nurses in the emergency department at the Washington Hospital Center. She said, What I really want, obviously, is better retention and better staffing, but also compensation and above all safety. The nurses are members of the D.C. Nurses Association, which is affiliated with National Nurses United. That's the same group representing the nurses in New York City that went on strike. They say they will stay active and their tactics include contract talks, protests, solidarity with other unions. And if they have to, they'll go on strike. Ed Smith is executive director of the D.C. Nurses Association. Ed said workers need to be active and they need to fight. I think we're seeing a new generation of activists demanding that I want my rights. I want to be respected. I want to be treated with dignity. One more story here before we break. And this is certainly good news from our Labor Department headed by the one and only Marty Walsh. The Labor Department uh, reported this week they have obtained a consent judgment ordering a home care agency in Willow Grove, Pennsylvania, Willow Grove Home Care Agency that intentionally, key word is intentionally denied, 433 employees full overtime wages, and they have to pay them more than $3.8 million in back wages and liquidated damages. Can you believe that? Jessica Lumen 
is the person behind us at the wage and hour division of the Labor Department. She said this is a significant recovery of back wages and damages for people who typically work for low wages and often struggle to make ends meet. She went on to say employers have to understand that federal law requires them to respect workers' rights to be paid all of their earned wages and that we will investigate those who fail to meet their obligations. By the way, when it comes to uh, home care workers, they're getting screwed all the time. Last year, fiscal year 2022, the Wage and Hour Division recovered almost $15 million in back wages for more than 22,000 workers in the healthcare industry. As the U.S. population ages and demand for home health care services increases, employment in a variety of health care sectors is projected to grow 13% from now until 2031, which is faster than the average for all occupations, adding about 2 million new jobs. Jessica Lumen added, today's workers can choose to work for employers who value them, pay them full wages, and respect their rights as workers, employers who comply with labor law and appreciate the dignity of work will have a clear advantage when it comes to retaining and recruiting workers. Amen to that. All right, quick break. Josh Nasser on behalf of the United Auto Workers coming up next. This is America's Workforce. It takes Lyuna to build North America's infrastructure. From roads and bridges to schools and skyscrapers, the men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, build the projects we depend on. From constructing the Freedom Tower on the site of the former World Trade Center to untangling Washington, D.C.'s congested interstate, Lyuna members do the work that matters. Find out what it takes to be built by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. Hello from the Communication Workers of America, District 4. We are a labor union representing a vast array of workers in different industries, including the Association of Flight Attendants, Telecommunications, CWA Passenger Services, Public Health Care, and Education Workers, the IUE, CWA Industrial Division, the National Association of Broadcast Employees, the CWA News Guild, not to mention our growing digital sector, and many others. If you're interested in organizing your work group or learning more about what it means to be CWA strong, visit our website at www.cwad4.org. That's cwad4.org. The United Steelworkers of America represent over 70,000 workers in the state of Ohio. Steelworker members enjoy the benefits of some of the best contracts of any workers in the world. Many of your friends, neighbors, and relatives are members of one of the most effective Democratic unions in our country. With the pressures unorganized workers are under in today's economy, you need to join them. So call the Steelworkers Organizing Office at 216-292-5683 or toll-free at 1-800-443-3752. The United Auto Workers are one of the largest and most diverse unions in North America, with members in virtually every sector of the economy. Learn more about this proud sponsor of our program at UAW.org. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook and follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. Let's go to Washington right now. Join one of our regulars. That would be Josh Nasser, 
who serves as the legislative director of the United Auto Workers, UAW.org. I always drive people to that website. If you're looking for a vehicle, that's the place to go because you want union-built vehicles. So important. Josh Nasser, how are we doing today? Happy New Year to you, brother. Doing great. Happy New Year. Great to be here. Okay. Thanks for joining us today. Well, we got a new year and we got a uh, a new Congress here, 118th Congress, but uh, it seems like they're up to their old tricks here. Uh, I'm sure you're familiar with the uh, Committee on Education and Labor, which is being changed to the Committee on Education and the Workforce, all because apparently Republicans don't like the word labor. They say it's an antiquated term. And uh, it's outdated, and it's uh, it's uh, a bias toward union bosses. I mean, they go on and on and on. Josh, <laughs> welcome to the new Congress. How do you feel about that? <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you know, the reality is that um, workers, you know, are stronger when they join together and have a and have a voice collectively. It's always what's improved wages and working conditions, and that's still the case, no matter what anyone wants to call the terms or not. Um, the bottom line is that, um, you know, the last Congress made a ton of progress when it comes to investing in workers and in this country. And we need to make sure that all those great laws are implemented well. And we need to make sure that we, uh, you know, keep talking about what needs to happen, which is labor law reform. I mean, the reality is that workers face, you know, enormous obstacles when they're seeking to, uh, you know, have their voice heard all too often. And our laws really need to be upgraded. So, you know, semantics aside, I mean, substantively, you know, nothing has changed. We still uh, have a real need, uh, you know, to level a playing field. Well, Josh, as you know, there's a lot of people, especially in organized labor, really concerned about if anything positive is going to be done for workers here. You just mentioned labor law reform. Will that be taken up at all in the House because of uh, because of the makeup of Congress now? It's it's definitely it's definitely uh, an uphill battle in in, uh, in the Congress. There's no question about it. Um, you know there there are methods to get legislation on the floor. Um, you know with a discharge petition, there there are options. Um, so we'll you know what needs to happen hasn't changed regardless of uh, you know who holds the gavel. So um, you know it's important to keep advocating for the changes that are needed and kind of see where things land. Um, mm-hmm. I would say also just to keep in mind that you know in the Senate is where um, you know we have the confirmation of judges. The the House has no role in that part, and um, you know federal judges have enormous power. There's there's many many open slots, um, and there was actually quite a bit of progress made last uh, last two years in confirming judges who uh, you know uh, have actually an understanding of what's going on with working people. When you say there's a, a lot of slots that are open, I mean, do you have a number on that right now? And and to your point, yeah, you're right. Biden did get a number of judges in, but there's still a way to go. Where, where are we right now with that? Well, I mean, it's always a moving target because you're constantly having, um, you know, uh, uh, people rotating off, you know, retiring and, and such. So, um, you know, what we have is, I don't know the number off the top of my head, but I can tell you that, um, you know, there is all there's always always um you know a lot of seats to fill and that just that remains so today so 
the story is is that um, you know the Senate Judiciary Committee last session um, you know was very productive, but because it was a fifty fifty majority, um, that's jumped through many many hoops procedurally to actually confirm judges uh, because the committee votes would be tied. But now, because it's a, a clear majority for the Democrats, um, the committees will move faster, and and actually more can happen as far as confirming judges. So um, we could start to see more balance. Um, but roughly a quarter of the judges right now on the bench were uh, confirmed, uh, you were nominated by uh, President, former President Trump and confirmed by uh, the McConnell uh, Senate, controlled Senate. So uh, there's balancing definitely needed. So there's, a good, there's good opportunities here. Wow. I didn't know it was that much. So uh, 25% of the judges that we have today came from the previous administration. That's, that's astronomical. Let's, uh, let's go back to the House here. Uh, I'm sure, and it was, it was interesting to watch how, how they had to pick their, their majority leader over there with Kevin McCarthy. But that being done, I mean, uh, it, it took, what was it, 14 times before they got the vote together? That shows there's a lot of division in the party. But w- what did we see on the agenda right now? Uh, uh, it, it doesn't look good for workers, but maybe you can spell it out. I'm sure you're getting some insight now on what lies ahead for this Congress. Well, I mean, I think as far as, you know, it's one thing to come up with, with, with uh, you know, the agenda in the abstract. It's another thing to pass legislation um, and to have the votes on the floor. So, um, you know, I think it remains to be seen, um, you know, what kind of legislation actually gets taken up and passed uh, in, in this, you know, in this new session. Um, so that, that's, that's a hard one to call as far as what will actually happen. But I can tell you that this Congress needs to deliver. I mean, they need to... You know, keep the government uh, running. They need to make sure that uh, you know our economy stays on track, and they certainly, um, you know, playing kind of some, any kind of high stakes uh, game with something like the debt ceiling would it would be a very bad idea. So, um, you know, this Congress in the House and Senate, I mean, they have obligations, and um, you know, our, our hope is that they'll meet those obligations in a in a fair way. So, um, you know, we're we're in a little bit of wait and see to see what actually legislation. Uh, you know, emerges. I'm glad you brought up the the debt ceiling because I've been reading a lot about what could possibly happen if there's a stalemate on that. I mean, it could drive the country into default. And I, I know there's some hardliners that want to cut, cut, cut. And the programs they're looking at are the social programs, Social Security, mm-hmm. Medicare, mm-hmm. things like that. And, and you think about the uh, the, the senior population in this country right now. Wow. That's going to have a profound effect. Uh, can you kind of fill in the blanks on that? I mean, is, is that, a, I guess that's a very possible scenario, right? Um, you know, if, if we've never had a situation where um, our books haven't been paid. I want everyone to understand that this isn't new money we're talking about. We're simply talking about paying the bill. That's all this is about. Yeah. And the U.S. economy um, is stronger than any other economy. I mean, that's the reality. Um, you know, um, and the U.S. dollar is not only critical; it's critical for the global economy. Okay, so the United States plays a very, very important role um, in economic stability and prosperity around the world. And you know, it obviously would have devastating effects in the United States if you know all of a sudden the credibility of our economy and ability to pay our debts uh, was questioned. That would that would be a situation that would, uh, 
you know, could be actually be, you know, catastrophic and in no one's best interest. So, um, you know, playing any kind of a, a bargaining thing over raising the debt ceiling is a very dangerous game that should be avoided at all costs. One more issue here is uh, organizing and uh, and taking on some big institutions. And I know the UAW got a lot of play at the end of uh, last year when it comes to the graduate student researchers and the student employees at the mm-hmm. University of California. I think a lot of people were surprised by how long that uh, that strike went on. I mean, we're talking six weeks here. I was just wondering, um, maybe you could uh, throw a shed some light on on what happened over there because uh you're seeing a lot of that and i know the uaw has uh, really done a great job getting involved in college campuses and helping people because of the low wages and the lack of benefits especially for those researchers and then you throw in the adjuncts i mean some adjunct professors are making like twenty twenty two thousand dollars a year it's ridiculous i don't know how you can survive on that but any comments on what happened at uh, at uc last year I think it really shows what happens when workers stick together and the progress that could be made. Um, you know, the, the the reality is that um, you know um, these are really unsung heroes in our in our country and our economy. Um, you know, the research that's conducted at universities um, really is a foundation for a lot of our life saving drugs and, and other things here that are important for our country. Um, and obviously, um, you know, these are people that are making serious sacrifices. So. You know, the idea of just being able to, uh, you know, uh, have enough um, money to be able to, you know, uh, not not be uh, in a situation of, of near poverty while you're working um, is unacceptable. So there's really been some, some good progress made here. Um, and, and the bottom line is that um, this is really a win for uh, the entire community um, and for, uh, for, all, for, for the university. So... This just shows that, you know, when workers stick together, real progress, uh, you know, can get made. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's really something else. It's, 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 it's really a, a great story at the end of the day. And because of that union solidarity, you got some folks that will see pay increases of up to 80%. That shows you how low they were. 80%. They needed an 80% pay raise to get up to where they should have been. All right. Well said, my man, Josh Nasser, legislative director for the United Auto Workers, one of the many proud sponsors of America's Workforce, UAW.org. We got some uncharted waters ahead, so I'm sure you'll be uh, navigating them the best you can. Okay, brother? Absolutely. We got to all do this together, and uh, you know, I, I hope everyone has a uh, great uh, 2023 out there, and let's keep making progress. You got it. All right, quick break. Paul Flynn is with the Electrical Workers, IBW Local 34 out of Central Illinois. He's coming up next. You're listening to America's Workforce with Ed Flash Ferens. It takes Lyuna to power North America with affordable energy. The men and women of Lyuna, the Laborers International Union of North America, have the skills needed to build and maintain oil, natural gas, nuclear, solar, and wind projects that are shaping America's energy future. From new energy tech to retrofitted facilities, Lyuna members do it all. Find out what it takes to be powered by Lyuna at lyuna.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. America's Workforce is sponsored in part by Boyd Watterson Asset Management, LLC. Find out more about our investment solutions tailored to meet the needs of Taft-Hartley funds at boydwatterson.com. 
there is unity and strength for workers. We are the USW. We are the USW. The, the United, United Steelworkers. Steel the largest industrial union in North America. We represent 850,000 members in, in the, the US, US, Canada, Canada and the, the Caribbean. Caribbean. We work in metals, rubber, chemicals, paper, oil refining, atomic energy, and the service sector. We are steelworkers, standing strong and fighting for what's right. America's Workforce Radio is sponsored in part by the International Union of Painters and Allied Trades, District Council 6, representing painters, glazers, drywall finishers, and sign and display industry workers. They remind you that belonging to a union is your right as an American. Now, back to Ed Flash Ferrance with America's Workforce. And remember, you can check us out on Facebook or follow us on Twitter. That would be AWF Union Podcast. By the way, this next segment brought to you in part by the North Coast Labor Federation. Let's go to Central Illinois, to be specific, Peoria, Illinois. Joining us on line number two right now is Mr. Paul Flynn. Paul serves as the business manager and financial secretary for the Electrical Workers Union, IBEW Local 34 website, real simple, IBEW34.org. And this is a pretty big local, 17 counties in West Central Illinois. Jurisdiction is 9,000 square miles, which is about the same as the state of New Jersey. That's a lot of traveling for a business manager. Hey, Paul Flynn, welcome to America's Workforce. Happy New Year to you. And how are we doing today, brother? Hey, doing great. Uh, appreciate the offer to come on Come on with you. All right. Well, you know what? Let's start off. We just got off the phone with uh, the legislative director for the United Auto Workers, and I was reading your bio at the beginning of the show, and I see you started at the UAW going back to, my gosh, 1989. Talk to me about that part and and the transition. I guess after ten years, you said, "Okay, UAW, let's move on to the IBEW." Yeah, so I was real fortunate. Uh, I was twenty one years old. It had been going to uh, Illinois State University, and uh, I think a situation that a lot of young people have is, uh, "Hey, I, I got to have a job. I don't have any money. I'm uh, racking up student loans here." And uh, fortunately for me, there was a joint venture auto plant. Between uh, Chrysler and Mitsubishi that opened up there it was called Diamond Star Motors. Um, so I applied, was fortunate to go through the process and, and be hired, and became a member of UAW uh, 2488, um, and worked there for 10 years. And you know it was just it was a great job, especially for uh, that time in my life, uh, 21 to 31. You know I had uh, a good wage, I had uh, health insurance, all. All three of my children were born while I was working mm-hmm. there. Um, so, you know, to have that health insurance and and retirement uh, savings, um, you know, it was a godsend to be part of the UAW at that time. Okay, I get it. Everything was going well. So why did you switch over to the IBEW? That's that's what I'm interested in. Yeah, so, you know, as you, as you get older and I, I approach my 30s, you have that, hey, uh, I've got uh, 30 years left of a career and and you know I, I i was hungering for something a little more than uh just an assembly line worker and uh, you know wanted to uh, you know ha- after driving to the same location every day and going through the great gate and the turnstile and and how i got interested was i would see electricians working in the auto plant um carrying their tools and and material and working on the robotics and the electrical systems and i thought man that that seems like a lot, uh, uh, something I'd be interested in. And so I talked to him and said, Hey, mm-hmm. how'd you get 
into the electricians, and they said, well, you, you have to apply and go through an apprenticeship. Um, so I dug into it, you know, called around, uh, had some friends in the trade, and uh, found out, you know, the process. And, and then uh, I was so fortunate, I, I came home one day and told my wife, uh, hey, uh, honey, I'm, I'm going to quit my job and, and uh, reduce my wages by uh, 70% and become an electrical apprentice. <laughs> and uh, to her credit, she said, hey, if, if that's what you want to do, do it. And, and so I did. I, I, uh, was for, I was able to quit and uh, entered into the apprenticeship, started at the bottom. And, uh, you know, five years later, I graduated the apprenticeship and was a journeyman wireman with the IBW. <laughs> you got a good woman there. She she really understood <laughs> what you wanted to do. <laughs> God bless her. I, I did, you know, and uh, luckily she trusted me and, 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 you know, knew I had the, uh, you know, the work ethic, the fortitude to, to make it through uh, the apprenticeship. And, you know, starting at the bottom, you know, I went, uh, I don't know what I was making at the time, but 25, 26 bucks an hour started as a as a first year apprentice at uh, 995 an hour so um fortunately those you know 25 years later the wages have come come up uh and uh you know and the payoff like i said was uh now looking back man that was the best thing i ever did that's awesome yeah, I see you went on to become an instructor, then a training director, and then you decided to uh, run for business manager. So congratulations there. See, I see you won that in 2013, reelected in 16, 19, and then last year. So how's that job been going for you? I mean, that and plus you got a pretty good territory to cover. Can you speak to that? Uh, yeah. So, you know, now that I've been uh, the business manager uh, for um, – you know, starting my 10th year, um, it, it, it's just amazing what you learn over the, over the 10 years, you know, the, the business manager I am today is just, it's night and day from where I was when I started uh, the job. And, uh, fortunately, um, I have a staff of seven, so we have, uh, four business agents, um, and then, uh, two secretaries and then myself. So I don't have to cover all the territory. You know, we have a dedicated agent that covers five counties in the western part of the state uh, that uh, borders the Mississippi River. Um, we have a dedicated agent in the Galesburg area that covers five counties. And then uh, the Peoria area with five counties uh, where the lion's share of the population is, uh, we have myself and then two assistants. So, you know, the seven of us cover that. And then really, you know, in construction – um, we have uh, a th over a thousand members, and, and your members are really the eyes and ears of your uh, jurisdiction. You rely on those members that are working in all the small towns, um, working, you know, on uh, grain mills or uh, ethanol plants or solar farms in the in the uh, heartland of America. Th those are your eyes and ears that you rely on to get, feed you information and let you know what's going on all across the jurisdiction. So it really is a, you know, as, as a union member out there, I can't stress how important it is that, you know, you stay in communication with the leadership of your union um, so that you can, you know, enforce your contracts, maintain your uh, jurisdiction um, and fight, you know, for the wages and benefits of your members. Now, Paul, is that something you learned kind of like, 
right away when it comes to communicating with your members? Because I, I, I talk about this with a lot of business managers and, and, and in, in today's world, too. Communication is difficult because of misinformation, because of, you know, issues get clouded over and you got to try to make sure that you're you're saying the right things at the right time and and making sure that everybody's on board. It's got to be pretty difficult. Maybe you can walk us through that process. I mean, you've been doing this for almost 10 years. I'm sure you've learned a lot in in your communication methods. Can you uh, can you reference that for us? Yeah, sure. Um, and, and and you're right. I, I'm fortunate. Um, the the business manager that I followed, you know, that was one of his sayings. Hey, you you members are the eyes and ears of the local. Um, so that's you know not my saying. Uh, the guy I followed, the name was Mike Everett. Um, and you know, I think why I'm the business manager is because I attended my union meetings. Um, I attended them through my apprenticeship. And I kept attending them after I graduated the apprenticeship. And so at your monthly meetings, you know, that's really where you hear uh, the true information. You know, there's mm-hmm. no misinformation given at the union meeting. Um, and, and if there is, it, then it is truly unintentional. Um, versus today, with the social media, um, the talking points that everyone can put out and, and you know, um, it's so hard to fact check all, all that stuff. But the one thing I've learned in, in you know, communicating with people is you, you really have to, uh, you know, you have to be nice. You, when I first got in, you, you kind of, I was more gruff and more direct and to the point or, or uh, you know, you, my style has definitely softened um, to get people to open up to you and, and really tell you how they feel. You, you've got to be approachable. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you have to have an open mind. You have to say, okay, well, you know, why, why is this person so angry? Um, you know, dealing with, uh, different things on job sites and that, you know, nobody really calls the union when they're happy. Um, it's, they're calling because they've got a problem right? Uh, and they're looking for the union to solve it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, um, uh, you know, attending your monthly meetings, I can't, in fact, we had our meeting last night, um, or yesterday, and uh, we had 100 people there, uh, which was which was a good turnout, and you think 100 people at your meeting, that's good, but that's that's only 10%. So, you know, 90% of the locals not there, and the reasons why are, are you know, as, there's as many reasons you can think of. You know, some people have, have uh, you know, family obligations, they need a sitter, they have, uh, that's their the night they go to uh, worship or church. Um, so we understand that not everybody can be there, but being at your monthly meeting in person, I, I just can't stress enough how important that is to get uh, the communications and, and not just for me, the business manager, but also uh, the agents I mentioned, you know, what, what they know in their five counties that they're dealing with. And, and then the sharing of information, how we deal with problems, you know, how do we deal with, uh, organizing non-union folks that are on a job site, maybe working next to you. Um, how do you how do you talk to them? How do you mm-hmm. let them know that there's a better way to work and a, and a better process to live uh, by joining a union? Um, and and that's where I say my my style has definitely softened there. Uh, um, you you learn to get uh, you know non-union folks that are in our industry to join us. Well, you you've got to make friends with them first, and uh, yeah. Yeah. And so the the wrong thing to do is walk up to them and say, Hey, what, what are you doing here? 
uh, you know, get off my job site. Well, they're, they're there doing the same thing everyone's doing. They're, they're trying to feed their family. They're trying to make a living. Mm-hmm. Um, so you really need to, you know, find out who they are, what their background is, and then explain to them why becoming a member of the IBW or other trade union is beneficial to them and their family. Yeah, Paul, just about everybody is different, and uh, I guess age has something to do with it. As we get older, I guess we get a little softer in a couple <laughs> a couple of respects, and you you certainly learn a lot as, as the years go by. Paul Flynn joining us on our live line today. He's the business manager and financial secretary for the Electrical Workers, IBEW34.org. The website will continue right after this. This is America's Workforce. More shows available at awfradio.com. It takes LIUNA to keep America running. Over 70,000 public employees are part of LIUNA, the Laborers International Union of North America, delivering critical services such as health care and emergency response, as well as maintaining roads and sanitation systems. Even the National Postal Mail Handlers Union, representing over 47,000 U.S. postal workers, is affiliated with LIUNA. Find out what it takes for LIUNA to keep America running at LIUNA.org. That's L-I-U-N-A dot org. We're the nurses, firefighters, and claims representatives that help keep our government services running. We respond to natural disasters. We care for our nation's veterans. And we investigate discrimination in the workplace. We are federal and D.C. government workers. And we are proud to serve the American people. Working in more than 70 agencies across the government, we know we can fulfill our mission because our union has our back. Learn more at AFGE. Paid for by the American Federation of Government Employees, AFL-CIO. Union members need to be heard. Reliable and convenient union voting has never been more important than it is now. Make voting easy for your membership by working with survey and ballot systems. SBS offers encrypted and monitored solutions that ensure your elections are accurate and accessible for every member through mail-in, online, and in-person voting. Visit surveyandballotsystems.com and take the next step in getting secure and auditable elections. Now, back to America's Workforce. Here's Ed Flash Ferens. And remember, you can check us out on at least six platforms. That includes Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, Pandora, and Stitcher. And when you get an opportunity, just do this. Sign up and receive our shows on a regular basis and give us a rating. We always, always appreciate those five-star ratings, so please keep them coming. Let's go back to uh, Central Illinois, rejoin Paul Flynn. Paul is the business manager and financial secretary for Local 34 of the IBEW, IBEW IBEW34.org. They cover 17 counties in West Central Illinois, 1,000 members. Paul, I've been talking to a lot of locals, not just IBEW locals, but uh, many in the trades, and they're all saying, we need some more workers. We need some more candidates. There's a lot of work out there, and we want to make sure it's going union. How are we doing with your apprenticeship program there, Paul? Well, we are you know, just clicking on all cylinders. Uh, we've brought in, uh, We brought in 70 people in 2022. Um, so that I can't remember a time when we've brought in that many. Um, and this year looks to be about the same. Um, we're just now going through, uh, getting ready to do our uh, testing and interview process to bring in, 
uh, a new class of first years for 2023. Um, we had about 300 candidates apply, um, and typically we'll take 40 to 50 a year. Um, knowing that you know the baby boomers are retiring, we, we're retiring about 30 to 40 guys a year right now. Um, so you you've got to replace those folks. Um, and then with our work picture being so strong, you know, we need an additional 30 or 40 on top of that to maintain um, the demand from our contractor base. So it's a great time if anybody uh, who's listening and, and is in central Illinois uh, thought about uh, doing what I did, which was switching careers in your 30s or 40s or even 20s. Um, you know, look us up, uh, find out. Uh, more from our website. Uh, we got a great link to our apprenticeship on our uh, website, ibw34.org. Um, and also we're recruiting, you know, we do a lot of high school career fairs. Uh, we're looking for those kids coming out of high school that want to go into the trades. Um, so, and, and we recruit out of our uh, junior college in town. We have a great junior college, Illinois Central College. Um, we've got a good university, Bradley University. So uh, it's amazing the people who come into our apprenticeship. Some of them have four-year degrees from local universities. Uh, some are right out of high school. And then some are uh, like I was, you know, uh, switching careers. They're older. They're, uh, so it's true adult education. It's 18 all the way to 55, really. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, you know, we're in full recruitment mode all the time right now. We just... Because uh, we're also competing with all the other trades that are that are as busy as we are, the you know the iron workers and steam fitters and carpenters. They're, we're all competing for the same kind of people: people that want to work with their hands, people that want to move around and and build things. And so, uh, it's highly competitive right now uh, amongst the trades for uh, talent and recruitment. And, and we're not talking jobs here; we're talking careers. We're, we're talking a skill that you learn in that apprenticeship program that no one can take away from you. That's so important to that point is so important to get across Uh, the work in central Illinois. um, Maybe you could give us a couple examples of some projects that your, your members at uh, 34 are working on or about to work on anything they want to call attention to. Yeah, we, uh, we've got a really exciting project that's about halfway to completion right now. Our uh, uh, OSF uh, hospital system is building a $400 million cancer center uh, with a proton beam therapy uh, cancer treatment. I, I believe there's only about 25 of these things in the, in the nation. Um, and uh, so we've got uh, – I was just up on, on site – uh, yesterday, matter of fact, and uh, we've got about 40 electricians up there. Um, and, uh, you know, Peoria is uh, really becoming a medical town. Um, and then uh, we also have, you know, our, our great company, Caterpillar, that's uh, we, we've been known for, and they still have a large presence in town. They're a great employer still. They built, built great equipment, send it all over the world. So we have a lot of members that help maintain those plants. Um, and we have a robust uh, chemical industry being located on the Illinois River. Um, we have a lot of uh, chemical facilities that make everything from soap to laundry detergent, you know, you, you name it. Um, we make it here in Peoria, we, and we still uh, uh, have a large eth- ethanol presence. You know, we're surrounded by corn and beans and 
Um, so then you look into the solar market, uh, and we are we are installing solar every day, uh, like gangbusters right now. Um, and you know our local is going through a big transition. We had uh, four coal burning powerhouses in our jurisdiction. Um, three of them have closed, um, so that's been a big hit to our system. And then the fourth one is slated to close in 2027. So um, you know. That that kept hundreds of our members busy. Um, so in this transition of renewables, um, we're very fortunate that uh, the solar work, the wind work, geothermal, um, gas turbine stuff uh, is still electrical heavy. So our members are transitioning from you know powerhouse to to solar farm, and uh, it's been pretty seamless because uh, electricity is electricity. Yeah. So our, our you know. Uh, that doesn't change how electrons work and how they travel and and uh, power our homes and businesses. Uh, so so what's really nice is even though those plants have closed and and and, and they are transitioning those too. They're going to become battery storage facilities. That's that's where the grids interconnected. So they're not going away completely. They're they're just morphing into the next uh, new thing as as things do and things change. Uh, that's you know through our apprenticeship and our continuous journeyman uh, training, you know, we, we haven't missed a beat. We're, we're making that transition. And in fact, uh, so we haven't lost membership. Uh, in fact, we're, we're growing membership. So we're very fortunate here in central Illinois. The thousand members that you have right now as business manager, I can only assume you have some goals with all, with all that work that you just spelled out. You've got to have some goals for this year and the year ahead. Maybe, uh, maybe you can tell us what your thoughts are as far as moving that needle in that right direction. Yeah, and, and it's uh, it's you know inflation and it's it's raising wages. Um, our 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 wages. It's time it's time to to meet up with inflation. Mm-hmm. Um, so you know inflation's been running seven eight percent, um, and uh, that so. My goal now, uh, we, we're coming out of a four-year contract. That, in fact, I, we signed our last contract right before COVID hit. So it was almost like a different world. Um, and, he, and here we are in the new world uh, three and a half years later. Um, and so, you know, wages um, need to go up. And, and uh, you know, to keep up with the cost of health care, you know, health insurance, uh, I, I wish I had a magic wand to fix health insurance in America. Because it is just, it is messed up. It it's really out of is. control. Yeah. Um, as a trustee of a Taft Hartley multi-employer uh, health and welfare plan, um, to, to see you know our members and our contractors pay uh, a hefty sum to have insurance, um, and it's such a necessary thing. Uh, and it is a great thing because as a trustee, I see the people who they'd be bankrupt if uh, if you didn't have a an insurance plan. The people who really need it that, you know, develop cancer or they have a sick child, um, and they get into a million dollars or two million dollars pretty pretty quickly these days. So uh, I know our members a lot of times say, hey, you know, we're I'm paying, you know, eight ten dollars an hour for our health insurance, and uh, and I'm not using it. Well, my my message is, eventually you will. As you age, at some time in your life, you're going to need that insurance, and you're going to be darn glad you got it. Um, and as a trustee, I, I see those folks who do need it, you know, and as, as a union, we come together collectively, um, to have strength in numbers, uh, 
and and then to lift out up the people that are in trouble. And there's nobody in trouble like like someone who's as a child that's uh, you know needs a heart transplant or uh, you know going through those things in life that. Um, and that's where I tell the members, hey, look, you know, if you don't use your insurance, thank thank the good Lord that it means you're healthy. Um, you've mm-hmm. got everything working the way it should. Uh, be grateful. And also don't forget that there's people in our local that are, have $2 million claims, $3 million claims. And without our health insurance, they'd, uh, you know, they'd, they'd lose everything they've ever worked for in their whole life. Exactly. So it's just so Almost. important for guys, mm-hmm. people to realize that. Yeah, yeah. Um, Almost overnight, you lose everything. Yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah. So you know, we're we're looking to, you know, why is everybody working? Well, we need we need money to uh, provide for our families. And, um, I think uh, it, it's you know we have a good wage, but it's time to have a, have a have a better wage and and share in the wealth of America uh, because we work hard for it. Um, guys in the trades, you know, you you start at seven in the morning and you put in eight hours and it's it's eight hours of up and down ladders um eight hours of running power equipment eight hours uh in a dust mask maybe or a respirator um it is very hard work um it's a lot of sweat and tears but it's also very rewarding work um you get done you walk away from a project and and it's true what they say i still drive by buildings and uh companies that i worked at and say hey you know and show my kids hey you know dad dad wired that uh, and that that never gets old. That uh, feeling of satisfaction when you when you walk out and the lights work and the motors run and the air conditioning's on or the heat's on or you know that uh, you know hundred dollar million dollar proton machine is is curing people with cancer and and you had a hand in installing that and making sure everything works properly and uh, it's just a great feeling. IBEW, we keep the lights on. And I'll tell you, yeah. when they go off, there's a lot of unhappy people out there. No doubt. No <laughs> doubt. Paul Flynn, thank you so much for joining us. Paul Flynn is the business manager, financial secretary of Local 34 of the International Brotherhood of Electrical Workers in Central Illinois. I love the conversation today. Let's let's talk down the road. Okay, brother? Hey, I'd love to. All right. That's it for another edition of America's Workforce. Coming up tomorrow, we're going to check with our presenting sponsor, Liuna. This would be local uh, 1095 out of Texas. And labor lawyer Joyce Goldstein on the National Labor Relations Board. Until then, all of you have a safe and wonderful day. That concludes another episode of the America's Workforce radio podcast. Thanks for listening. And be sure to subscribe so you never miss a show. America's Workforce is a production of Labor Tools and BMA Media Group. Find out more information online at labortools.com.